Hi, and welcome to the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm Anna, editor at TICE, a leading cybersecurity site for experts and enthusiasts alike. This week, we are talking passwords. Yes, those things we love to hate. But why do we love to hate them so? And why exactly are we so bad at changing our passwords regularly? What's wrong with using the same password across multiple accounts? We're told to include numbers, capital letters and symbols and make the password at least 12 characters long. But no one's really interested in my password, are they? So why does it all matter anyway? To tackle the P-word conundrum, I met with cybersecurity specialist at ESET, Jake Moore, who uncovered some tactics the hackers employ to steal our passwords, as well as dishing out some advice for better password management. As usual, I'll be back at the end of the podcast with a cyber tip of the week. But first, did you know that the most popular password at the end of 2018 was 123456, followed by password, all lowercase, at number two? So my first question to Jake was, did these findings surprise him at all? Here's his response. Not at all, actually. People want convenience. People can't make up random passwords when they're told to make up a new password. They default to their default passwords. And the way that you're thrown into, I need to get into my account, is you must create a password. They think, I'm never going to use this account again. Or the one I've used recently worked. I'm going to use my my favourite. And if that's password or 123456 and it works for them, then we've got to start blaming maybe the account webmasters that allow those sorts of passwords. The best websites out there that I'm starting to see are starting to say these types of passwords, i.e. those two you just mentioned, and the whole of those top 20, they can't be used. That's a fantastic way of saying, no, you know what, you really need to change your education around passwords because once they get breached, they get used and copied all across your other accounts. And if you've used that one there, you're probably using it in another account. But why aren't people even today, at least changing the password they use? I think the problem is people, um, if they've never been hacked uh, or never have been breached or even been aware that they've been breached, they think, who cares? That's a typical uh, question when I ask people about how good are their passwords. They go, who, who cares? I haven't been breached before. I don't think I'm going to get breached. Or who cares if they take my identity or, or I haven't got enough money? There's always a, a question back at me. Uh, to say it's too inconvenient to go and change their way around it. And and to talk to them about password managers just goes straight over their head and they say, no, uh, I'm just going to go back to the one I've been using for up to 15 years. I mean, if you look at um, a a password breach from even 10 years ago, you can find, for example, MySpace, one of my favourite ones to talk about. MySpace had 430 million passwords breached in 2012, uh, ranging for about, say, six years' worth of passwords. If you delve into those passwords, you will see people are using those standard passwords that you've just mentioned. And they're probably still using them now. And so if those get taken out, of course they're going to be used across the whole uh, across the whole of the internet. So when someone says to you, well, why would they hack me? How would you respond? I would say because you are just another account. You're just another number. They're going to try everyone they possibly can. And if you're maybe more of a, a target, uh, i.e. more of a risk, maybe you are a CEO of a, 
of a business, there's more chance they're going to do some more work around it. So you might be thinking, mine's a bit better than the standard top 20. It's got something related to me. Well, those uh, hackers out there are going to do their homework and know so much about you that if you've got something related to you, they're going to be able to find that out in absolute no time or use their tools that then say, um, add in the punctuation or if you thought you're being sneaky with uh, an A changing to an at symbol. Those are the kind of things that can be done with tools. They're not done so much by people typing in 20, 30 times different combinations. You simply just download the free tool off the internet and it does the work for you. It can take minutes. What, what are the, tell me more about the tools. Uh, I'm not going to go into which tools, but um, they're Linux-based. Uh, I'll go that far. And they will do so much um, around, um, for example, I used to investigate... Um, criminals uh, in Dorset Police um, and I used to have their computers in and we tried to crack some of their passwords we would type in a series of data that we know around them so their birthday, their football teams their maybe they've got a wedding anniversary, their kids names pets names, uh, all, all the standard things you hear about but people would still use them in their passwords but if not those actual words that I've typed in derivatives of so then a, a capital letter would probably feature at the beginning a number at the end these are the types of things that we're all familiar with but people tend to still do and so the tools will do that work for you they'll, they'll type in the words straight away bosh if they don't work they start to change them so they'll then put the capital letter at the beginning for you i mean you can tell it to do whatever you want and that will speed up the attack i mean a brute force attack is when you have no idea of where you're starting and that will be say um, eight characters of absolutely anything that could be all the ones or, or whatever but you have to start somewhere but that will take time if you preempt it with familiarities that may feature in their passwords you're going to attack it much quicker so we are quite predictable I think and the hackers know that absolutely uh, people are predictable you said it, that's absolutely key here they know what we're like um i'm not talking 100 percent of the people but if you were to ask um, a room of people, and I do this quite a lot in, in a lot of talks that I give, I ask people to put their hand up if they are using a password manager. It's a great start. And more times uh, than not, it will be around the 10% mark of people will be saying I use a, a password manager. So I then turn to the other 90% of the people. And I then say, so you are all probably using two to four of the same passwords everywhere. They'll always snigger at that. Because they are. And this is it. People tend to have two, three, four passwords or derivatives of, or they've been told to change it, they'll, they'll change the dot one to a dot two. This is because we are predictable and we're lazy and we, and we think, well, how am I going to remember all of my different passwords across all my different accounts? Listeners out there will probably be thinking, well, I have 50 accounts. How on earth can I do that and make them unique, make them strong, make them long? You're thinking, of course, you're not going to be able to do that. But that is what password managers are there for. But tell me, what, what's the um, problem with using the same password over multiple accounts and sites? Okay, so yeah, going back to um, when MySpace was hacked, that's key. So when MySpace was hacked, uh, on this list of 430 million uh, emails and passwords were exactly that. Your username was your email, and then your password in another form, in its hash value. Now, um, if you can uh, put that into a table, that hash value, to to essentially backwards engineer it to the original password of, of which we've got this from the list so like the password dot one and the one two three four five six you associate that with the email and then 
if that person is using that exact same password on another account, a hacker could quite easily go and do that. Especially they're going to go for their email. Because if you get into someone's email address, you can then go to the other accounts and say, I've forgotten my password. And then click on the reset password link, which sends it back to your email address. So then you only need that one and you've taken over someone's, I don't know, 50 accounts because the username is always going to be their email address, which you now know. So uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of something I received the other day. Mm-hmm. An email from someone who said that they had hacked my account or they knew of someone who had hacked my account and demanded several Bitcoin. Otherwise, lots of naughty videos would circulate <laughs> of me or whatever it is. Um, and I should be very scared. Mm-hmm. Now, ordinarily, I would I would just dismiss this email and delete. But what did concern me was the fact that they did have my password or an, an old password that sometimes I use for various accounts. Just talk me through what the hacker is doing here. The hacker is doing this on absolute mass. We are talking millions and millions because it comes back to these breached lists and MySpace is just one of hundreds. Um, and you can see these lists out there that have got all of these emails and passwords and sometimes from the past. So in your case, you were, you received the email. Um, it obviously knows the, the, the username from the hacked list is your email address. So it comes to you assigned with a password that you've used before or you use occasionally now. And that gives some sort of authentication. That, that, that sketchy phishing email that usually comes in, we usually tend to discard it straight away. But when it has something that is linked to you... Uh, other occasions I've seen, these are the last four digits of your credit card. Well, again, they've got that from a uh, a data breach that we're hearing about all the time, especially when we've seen British Airways being hacked. Uh, we've seen Ticketmaster. They've all had some sort of credit card information gone with it as well. So it assigns it back to you. Maybe they'll even throw in your postcode. If it's in a um, an, essentially a database that is breached, it is assigned to that email address. It then comes to you you start to feel it's got that verification. And you could panic, and then you start to read the body of the message. I mean, that could be anything. It could say, if you don't do this, we will, We know where you live and we'll come and uh, bomb your house. Or, they, could, they could say absolutely anything. But the hackers know that when they post um, video, or they say they're going to post videos of you in intimate uh, uh, situations humans tend to panic. That seems to be the one that cl- clicks most. And I've received multiple emails from friends and colleagues and ex-colleagues that have had the same email that you're talking about. Um, each time I've looked at them, the Bitcoin wallet that it's asking it to go to is different. That to me says that there are many, many people trying this attack. Because anyone can go and find that list of breached passwords and then think hey this is fine i've even typed in some of those bitcoin wallet addresses uh because you can freely go and have a look at them online see how much money has been deposited and some of them were hitting six figures in pounds sterling we are talking some serious money has been thrown into there some had nothing in there some had you know um a thousand pounds in there or roughly and so it's obviously working it's very easy and it's scary and a lot of people don't go and report it they think how how am i going to report that um maybe if i just pay them off it'll go away the best thing to do here is delete it and then go and change those passwords if you are still using them because you really should be using completely unique passwords that 
if if you want to use a password manager, you then don't have to remember or know your passwords. And that's an even better way. So if someone said, sent that email to me and said, this is your password, well, I wouldn't instantly know because it's absolutely gobbledygook. And should we send that to anywhere? Should we report it? Yeah, so action fraud, um, always, always are keen to see these emails because they they may be able to do some work with the Bitcoin wallet. and uh, There may be some work done around the emails. As so many people are at it, um, trying to um, extort us, then uh, there will be people that are making mistakes along the way. So definitely go to Action Fraud, which is actually having a big revamp recently, um, and it's looking much, much stronger than ever. So over the next year, I think we'll see a lot more action from Action Fraud. So the hackers are using embarrassment and fear mm. to get to us. Mm. And because it's quite a taboo topic, you know, the CEO talking about a sextortion case, is quite taboo. Hmm. How do you think we can get around this? Can we eliminate the shame attached to it? Should we just get over ourselves? Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I just like talking about it. I, I think people need to be aware of these types of scams. Uh, make them a bit, of, a bit of a joke. I think uh, if we, maybe, maybe if the CEO was to receive one, I'd love him to forward it to everyone in the company and say, look what I received in my inbox this morning it's pretty good and it's made me realize that that password that i was using a couple of years ago was pretty rubbish you know that would be a a nice fun jokey way of bringing it to everyone's attention and you never know someone in that organization might say god geez I, i had that same email the other day and i panicked i didn't maybe you know go and get my bitcoin wallet out but um it did make me think about it so that's the kind of thing i'd like to see amongst friends amongst colleagues to really uh, uh, share these experiences it's great that you're able to talk about your one i mean it should be spoken about so how can we move forward and uh stop this attack vector the only real way of, of stopping this attack vector is to really educate people around their passwords I would love to go and give a talk and start with who has a password manager question and see 100% of the people put their hands up. If that would be the case, I would be able to, I'd probably be confident in saying you'd get rid of this scam altogether, Um, especially with two-factor authentication in place. That really mitigates this huge risk. Uh, and along the way, if you're educating people around this type of attack, it's a form of phishing. You, therefore, along the way, teach them around the phishing emails that happen in the same ilk. So in, in 2004, uh, a survey was conducted for InfoSec, mm-hmm. uh, which revealed that more than 70% of people would reveal their computer password in exchange for bars of chocolate. Uh, do you think we've improved? Do you think we've moved on? Um, Do you think 70% of people would still... I'd say it would now take two bars of chocolate. (laughs) Maybe three. Um, Wow, that's astonishing. I I love hearing stuff like this because it's funny how we're still talking about the same thing. 14, nearly 15 years later, we're still talking about how our security for the internet and... uh, our whole lives online now are, are still as poor as it was then. Maybe people talk about it a bit more, but they still haven't acted upon it. Apart from those people that have been hacked, you find someone that's been hacked, they are brilliant at their security. They've done their research. They know that feeling in their stomach of losing data or having to shell out some money. They're the ones that are, 
it's like ex-smokers. They're, they're the ones that are really saying to people, wow, you know, I've, I've seen the light. I, I know how good it is uh, since you've been hit by it. So the, what I may, may be thinking is we need to do more education around, I don't know, hacking people in a fun way. This wargaming exercise and stuff like that without telling them that it is an exercise. Get them to feel that gut feeling. That is, is really the only way uh, of having that progression. So what do you think the future of passwords is? It's got to start with these password managers. I mean, yeah, I'm probably going on about them far too much. That, but... Do you think the password will exist? Um, they, well, they tried to take it away a few years ago with biometrics. They really thought that that uh, other forms might take place. But it still has its place, not on its own, as a single layer of security. It's It's not strong enough, no. But adding other layers uh, is great. I mean... Authenticator apps are fantastic. They are linked to your phone. They use uh, the technology inside your phone to prove it's you. That plus a, a password that you keep in your manager that you're just copying and pasting into that field. That is a wonderful uh, beginning to it. If you then want to add biometrics, fantastic. Plus things like YubiKey, which I'm seeing more and more these days. That's another great extra layer. The thing is, the public tend not to like uh, too much security because they find it an inconvenience. Uh, But once it becomes the norm, you forget that it's an inconvenience. And then you forget that it's only really two seconds extra to look after all your data. And on the social engineering front, have you come across a fun, creative story recently that the hackers are employing i'm always uh finding security questions quite funny because people that are using two-factor authentication are very good at uh mitigating the risk because a code has to come to their phone but for those that haven't set that up the simple way for a hacker to get into that account is by clicking on the i forgot on my password For example, PayPal. This is a a classic way you can get around PayPal, even if you've actually set up two-factor authentication as a code sent to your phone via an SMS. You can still crack into it with some social engineering. Now, that being, if you go to your account, you can try this at home. Go to your PayPal account. You can click on the um, I forgot my password link. It'll then say, oh, I'll, um, I'll send you a text. You can then click on the bit that says, um, I haven't got access to my phone. And it says, don't worry. We'll um, ask you a couple of security questions. Now, if anyone had PayPal when it came out, this is what, for me, it was 2002. Um, that's a long time ago. And my security questions back then were pretty terrible. They were pieces of information that people may have been able to find out. And so I did a test recently with someone, uh, with their permission, if I could try what I could on them. And they said, yeah, fine, um, you, full permission to try and change my password. OK, um, I went to their PayPal account and the first question was, what was my mother's maiden name? Now, that was pretty straightforward because on Facebook uh, they were pretty open and they even had their family members listed. Uh, one said uncle. Now, uncle, luckily it was on the maternal side. He still had his mother's maiden name as his surname. So there's my answer straight away. The other one was, which was my first school? That was done through uh, connecting, joining the dots through his Facebook links, working out what his first school was. Those two answers were able to get me into changing his password on his PayPal account. 
this is typical social engineering when you are targeting someone and that's it social engineering can be in all forms but that is a, a targeted way of manipulating passwords and that's the thing password as itself is a terrible way it needs to have other layers of security to make it work thanks to jake i hope you found that useful and now time for a cyber tip of the week Review bank statements and credit card statements regularly, if not daily, and look for suspicious activity. Easy to forget, but important to do so. Thanks for listening. You can tweet us your questions and comments to at Tice, that's T-E-I-S-S, on Twitter. But for now, it's bye from us. Join us next week for more Cyber Insight.